Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Let me see your Bibles, your devices, whatever you're using today. Amen. Love seeing the word. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. It is the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Thank God for our, our country. I'm not going to preach a patriotic message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message on the freedom in Christ. Galatians chapter 5. We had a great time, by the way, those that went to the fireworks uh, Friday night. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. After we left, Heather and I, uh, we laughed and looked at each other and said, we're going to have to do a first aid and CPR training for the church, um, <laughs> at least for ourselves. It seems like everywhere we go lately, there's uh, some sort of first aid need. Those that were there know what we were talking about. If you missed it, then you, you missed the excitement. You've, you've got to, when Celebration Church goes somewhere, you've got to be there. Because <laughs> I can promise you something's going to happen. <laughs> so uh, it was great. Our, our, yeah, it was a great testimony. Our team was able to not only meet some em- emergency needs in the, in the uh, event, but able to pray with some unbelievers as well, so it was a it was great. Um, so I'm all. Uh, it was just you know it's the Lord. He orchestrates and puts us right where we need to be, at the right time, and uh, it was good. Galatians. It was it was good. Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. I'm going to start in verse one. I, I, the title of today's message is "Stand in Your Freedom," to stand in freedom, and I, I want to. I'm going to start in verse one, but I'm going to probably do a lot more probably teaching than preaching today, but I, I want to give you a little bit of context. I'm going to read more than verse 1, so just hang with me. I'll probably read through verse 12 of Galatians 5, but uh, so just hang with me here as we go through this. But I, I want to, before I read this, I want to say that oftentimes we, we make the freedom that the Lord has purchased for us a lot more difficult than what it needs to be. Right, we we um, we make things a lot harder. We we create rules and laws and, and and try to regiment the freedom that God has given us freely. Freely we've received, freely give. We've received of this freedom freely, and it's to be enjoyed freely. God wants you to enjoy the freedom that He's purchased. Matter of fact, your enjoyment of the freedom that He's purchased for you is one of the highest, greatest, most important things that He has designed for you in your life. It is so great that freedom and the enjoyment of the freedom that He's purchased for you is so great and so important and so valuable that He sent Christ to die for that. He sent Jesus to die and to be, to be tortured, to be brutally murdered, so that you and I can have absolute delight and pleasure and enjoyment in the freedom that he's purchased. But a lot of times in the religious world, we place these rules and boundaries and these hardships on ourselves to enjoy something that we're really not enjoying, but it's become a difficulty. And, and we see this in Galatians chapter 5, that... What had, what had been uh, a, a joy and a delight had become a struggle. And so I know uh, oftentimes we place these boundaries on ourselves that the Lord doesn't place. And these expectations on ourselves that the Lord doesn't place. And we stop enjoying something that we are to delight ourselves in. And to celebrate and to rejoice in. So in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 it says, Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty or the freedom by which Christ has made us free. Everybody say that. Stand fast. fast. Therefore, Therefore, in the freedom freedom. that Christ has paid for. Stand fast. Hold fast to that. He says, do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage or a yoke of slavery. 
I want to I want to read the entire uh, verse 12 to verse 12 here to give you the context. He says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become if you become circus, circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Verse 7 says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Verse 12 says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. So Paul was pretty stern there at the end. I, I want them to stop preaching to you about circumcision. I'd rather they just cut themselves off and, and, and be removed. But there's, there's this, under some of you might be asking, why is Paul writing to them about circumcision, uncircumcision? What are you talking about this morning? Uh, you know, what are you, where are you going with this? Well, we all understand that the Jewish law about circumcision, and, and they, there was teachers who were telling the Gentiles that in order to be part of the blessing in Abraham that we read in Galatians 3, in order to receive that, to walk in salvation, now all of a sudden you have to be circumcised. You have to start following the Jewish rules and rituals. And Paul's writing to them that that's not, the, that's not true. You don't have to follow these rules and rituals that, uh, and rites that, that were being placed on you. This, is, this isn't the path. He's, in other words, he's telling them, stand in the freedom that Christ has paid for. That, that you don't need to worry about all of that. To stand, enjoy the freedom that Christ paid for. So verse 1, he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stand fast in the freedom that Christ has paid for. That word stand firm is to persevere, to keep standing, to be rooted. It has this idea, if you go back to Psalms 1, to be planted in the house, to be rooted, to be established, to be anchored, to stand firm, to persevere in Christ. Persevering in Christ is celebrating, enjoying the freedom that Christ has paid for. Standing firm, we have this idea oftentimes that, that standing firm is standing on the front lines of the enemy's assault. And we're standing there, girded up, taking the onslaught of the enemy's, uh, of uh, the fiery darts and all these things. And we, we sing the old song, keep on the firing line, you know, and we have this idea that it's a hardship to enjoy the freedom that Christ paid for. But the reality is, is that standing firm is to enjoy the freedom of Christ, to delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in Him. You know, the striving or the work that you and I are called to, Hebrews 4 tells us that it's striving to enter in to the rest of God. It's, if there's ever a work or a striving to be done, it's, it's the work of enjoying God. How are you enjoying the Lord lately? How are you delighting yourself? Are you more concerned about the eternal delights? Or are you more concerned with your job and your school and your vacations and your, your summer happenings? How, if we were to take an account this morning, are you enjoying and delighting yourself in the Lord and His freedom? And are you more concerned in the delights of heaven then you are the delights of this life. Oh, the, the things of this world are great. We just got back from vacation. The delights and the things of this life are great. But they fail in comparison to enjoying the Lord. And when you delight in Him and you enjoy Him and you, you celebrate your freedom in Christ, then those things become more delightful than, than the, the, the vacations and the hobbies and the, all the family things. All those other things become more enjoyable because Christ is the center of them all. He's the focus in all of them. 
You know, so, so let's take an account, let's take an inventory this morning. Are you concerned with your, your celebration of freedom today? We, we celebrate our country's independence, but, but do we celebrate our independence in Christ, our freedom in Christ, our, our liberty in Christ, that He has set you and I free? So we stand firm, we persevere in the celebration, the enjoyment of our freedom. Paul says, don't be entangled again or give yourself to be ensnared by it. When you get entangled in something, you get ensnared in something, it wraps you up, it causes you to fall. It causes you, that's the word that actually Paul uses here, that we do not fall from grace because we get ensnared in these lies. So Paul's challenging you and I to not get ensnared or entangled, ensnared, to be trapped up again. In the, in the old life, in the old way of doing things. that we, we don't put on the slavery mindset again. We don't walk according to the lust of the flesh any longer. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul talked about this to Timothy. He said that, a, that a, a soldier doesn't get entangled or ensnared in civilian affairs again. That if we're the soldiers of the Lord, we're in the army of the Lord, the the metaphor there is if we're in his army, we don't entangle ourselves or ensnare ourselves in the old life. We've been called to a new life, a higher life, a life of enjoyment of our freedom in Christ. When you delight in your freedom in Christ, you no longer want the old. You've tasted of something greater, something better. The freedoms of the Lord are much greater than any momentary bondage of this life. The freedoms of the Lord are better than any momentary bondage. But what we often do is we have the mindset we get ensnared again. We get enslaved again to that old carnal way of thinking. But when we celebrate our freedom in Christ, have you ever noticed that when you're, when you're having a good time, and you're enjoying yourself. You know, I noticed this on vacation. When we were having a good time at the beach and at Disney and doing all the things we did, there was something on the inside of us that said, man, I really don't want to go back to work. Have you ever been there? I mean, I love our job, but there's just something about sitting at the beach and just enjoying the waves. There's something about not having responsibility. Now, I'm not saying that our freedom in the Lord means we don't have responsibility. Please don't misinterpret. But when you, when you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, there's a shift, there's a change of focus that you no longer want the old way of doing things. You don't want, you don't want to go back to the, the temporary delights because you've tasted of something that's eternal. You no longer want the, the temporary, uh, you know, it's... Yeah, the steak is good, but man, when you when you really taste of the of the meat of the word of God, when 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 you when you go to you know you can go to Ken Stewart's or Fleming's or wherever have a really good steak, but but when you taste of the meat of His word and you dive into the juicy, meaty promises of who He is, that He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. When you when you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, you don't want those things anymore. So celebrate your freedom. Stand fast. In your freedom and don't be ensnared to the old again. Paul talks about don't pick up the yoke. He says don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. The word there in the Greek is to be weighed in the balance and found wanting. That you're weighed in the balance of judgment and you're found wanting. This, this is a, it's a direct, if you go back to Daniel chapter 5 and verse 7. This goes back to the handwriting on the wall. And Daniel interprets the writing on the wall. And God says, you've been weighed at the balance and you've been found wanting. When we stand in our own righteousness and our own works and our own efforts, we are weighed in the balance and found wanting. When you are ensnared in the old way of doing things. You're weighed in the balance and you are found wanting. When you, when you pick up the mindset of having to try to work out your salvation, when, when it's all by your works, all by your good works, all by your own efforts, all by your own righteousness, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting. 
He says, don't pick up that yoke of bondage, that yoke of slavery. Romans 8 verse 15 tells us, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. You've received the spirit of adoptions as sons. Your freedom is absolutely dependent upon the grace of Christ. Your freedom is absolutely dependent and rooted in the the redemptive work, the grace of Christ. When you were redeemed, when you were born again, there was this new nature that was put upon you. There's this spirit of adoption that came upon you. This spirit that sealed you for the day of redemption. This spirit of the, of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the Lord came upon you and sealed you for that day. And you have the spirit of adoption that by which you are able, the Bible says in Romans 8, to cry out, to call out. Abba, Father, there's a spirit, the spirit of the Lord is in you and testifies to you, the Bible says, that you are the son or daughter of the Lord. And so that spirit of adoption, the son or daughtership, if you will, the spirit of adoption that you and I have received is not the spirit of slavery that causes us to operate in in a mindset of indebtedness. Let me talk about that indebtedness for a moment. Indebtedness is not freedom. When you, when you go to a, a lender and you take out a mortgage or a loan, you're indebted to them. When you swipe that credit card, you're indebted to that, that not only the amount, but whatever the percentage rate is and whatever the fee is. You're, you're indebted to that company to pay off whatever you charged or whatever loan you took. There's an, and and you, you operate under indebtedness until it's paid. If you don't pay it, they send you to collections and you start getting notifications. And depending on the severity of it, you may end up in court over it, right? So there's, there's a process of indebtedness. And indebtedness leads you down a path of what you owe someone, interest earned, and it just keeps going until it's paid off. Have you ever noticed that with indebtedness, you, you pay more in the percentage than you do in the principal? That's how they make their money, right? You, you, that's how you, <laughs> you go and you look at these big banks. Then their buildings, their office buildings are massive. Who's paying for that? You are. This isn't, this isn't a lesson in financial freedom, but we'll just take a moment and talk about it. When you're indebted, right, there's your, the, your percentage rate that you're paying is paying for those, right, all of the expenses. You're paying for that. Now listen, we often transfer that into our relationship with Christ. He paid a debt I could not pay. I owe a debt. Remember that song? We, we, we get an indebted mindset that we now have to pay off the work that Christ did for us. And the way in which we do that is by serving Him, by worshiping, by reading our Word, by praying, and all of these things. Somehow we now pay off a debt that we could never even begin to pay. It's, it's an eternal debt. He offers to you and I eternal life, and it only comes by an eternal debt that can only be paid through eternal blood, and that's Jesus Christ. Your effort to pay off an indebtedness you could never pay devalues, it's an insult to the eternal nature of the blood of Christ. And so for you and I to not enjoy the freedom. To to operate in a mindset of indebtedness, not as sons and daughters, but as slaves. Now, somehow, to Christ, we become slaves that we have to pay off indebtedness. We've misunderstood and not listened to the spirit of adoption that's crying out within us, Abba, Father. And we've, we've gone back into an indebted mindset that I have to pay something off in order to gain approval or to gain heaven, and that was never the intention. As sons and daughters. Now, I understand that 
There might be some listening or here present today that say, I don't understand healthy sonship, daughtership. I don't understand that concept because maybe there was manipulation in your home. And maybe, maybe love wasn't given freely. Maybe it was used as manipulation. Maybe, maybe there was abuse. Maybe there was uh, things that took place in your home that has skewed your perspective of sonship and daughtership. Uh, so, so maybe I can just quickly give to you, if, if, if your vision of that is skewed, maybe I can give to you quickly a perspective, a heavenly perspective, and reflect back on the prodigal son. The prodigal son was freely given his inheritance, and he freely squandered it all. But the, the father was out waiting for the return of his son, and from a distance saw his son coming, and freely received him, freely embraced him, freely restored him to the family, freely put upon him his robe of righteousness, freely put upon him the signet ring of identity, freely celebrated his return. You see, the grace of Christ is not about what you can do to earn or to gain approval. The, the grace of Christ is recognizing that you are absolutely wretched and pitiful and in a broken affair, but it receives you willingly, receives you freely, freely, and brings you back into the family, celebrates your return, and makes you whole again. That's the grace of Christ. It's not a license to keep on sinning. It's, a, it, it's an acceptance of when you repent, saying, come back in, I receive you back into the family. So, so for you and I, when we celebrate our freedom, we're recognizing it's absolutely dependent upon the grace of Christ. We can enjoy this freedom that's been so lavishly poured upon us. So graciously, so lavishly poured upon us, not because we earned it, but because Christ paid for it. So I can celebrate my freedom. I can stand firm. I can be persevering. I can keep standing. I can be planted and rooted in the freedom of Christ. Not because of my own works. But because His grace is effective in my life. So don't pick up, Paul says, the bondage of slavery again. Don't be... Don't, don't be weighed in the balance and find wanting because you've picked up, you've ensnared yourself to the way things used to be. A couple of things I want to recognize here. If we're going to stand firm in the freedom that Christ has paid for, things that we must be about in our own lives, and number one, that's to be resolute. It's not a word we hear very often these days. It's one of those old school words, but it means to be purposeful, unwavering, determined, to be resolute in your faith, to be resolute in grace, to be purposeful and unwavering in the grace of God, to be purposeful and unwavering in, in who you are in Christ. As the Hebrews, Paul writes in Hebrews, to fix our eyes on Christ. You know what happens when, when we move into that? I, I want to just reflect back on the indebted mindset. What happens when we operate in indebtedness is our eyes have shifted from Christ to ourselves. Look at the debt. Look at how horrible of a person I am. Look at the account of sins that are against me. And we begin to remember the account that's in our own minds. It's not written in the books of heaven. They've been blotted out. The Bible says, repent that seasons of refreshing may come and that your sins might be blotted out. When you returned to Christ, when you repented, you came to him. The account, the record of wrongs that was against you was erased. It was blotted out. But oftentimes, our own minds keep a greater account of our wrongs than heaven keeps. Our mind remembers the things we said we did and, and is carnally minded, to be carnally minded is to remember the account that was against us. 
Your brain neurologically is actually wired when you walked into the room this morning to remember ever, every experience you've had in this room. And if you've had a bad experience, it will bring it up first and tell you how to stay safe. That's our carnal mind. It's programmed that way. It's, it's, it's the natural mind. And it happens in, in nanoseconds. But we can't even think about what's happening as it happens because we're programmed to just happen that way. It's the fall. It's the effects of the fall. And so we have to have our minds renewed. We have to stop focusing on the account of wrongs that have been written in our own brains against us. The account of wrongs in heaven's books have been erased. The Bible says in Psalms that they've been removed as far as the east is from the west. You can't remember them, but we do. Heaven doesn't know them, but we do. That's why Hebrews tells us that he's able to cleanse our conscience clean. The account that's against you in your own mind can be cleansed. It can be erased. Celebrate your freedom in Christ. Stand firm in your freedom in Christ. He's paid for your forgiveness. Know that the account that was against you is erased. Be resolute. Be purposeful. Be determined that you will stand in the grace of God. In Job chapter 11, it says, If iniquity is in your hand, put it far away, and let not justice, injustice dwell in your tents. So if there's something that's in your hand that's evil, if there's, if there's an account in your hand, if there's injustice, if there's sin in your life, get rid of it and focus your eyes on Christ. Be resolute, be determined to stand in the grace of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 58, it says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable. Hear that? Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding. You should underline this in your Bibles. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, I want to I talk about this because, number two, if we want to continue on in our steadfastness in the Lord, we must be actively engaged in the work of the Lord. Now, you have to understand, I'm not suggesting to you that, that work brings about freedom, but once you have been freed, there's a work to engage in. Once you've been liberated, you now recognize that there are others who need to enjoy the same liberty that you've been given. There's a work to engage in, and it's the, the, the engagement in reconciliation. There's a work of redemption that needs to be executed in the earth. So when your hands are busy about the work of the Lord, it's really hard for them to be busy about the devil's work. It's really hard when your hands are busy building up broken down walls for them to be busy about tearing them down. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? It's, it's really hard when you're building up someone to then engage in tearing them down and tearing down the work of the Lord. You, you have to engage in the work of the Lord to be abounding, that word to be overflowing in the work of the Lord. What is his work? Winning the lost, the kingdom of heaven. Repent freely, you've received freely. Give, we know what we're called to do, what Christ has purposed in our hearts to do, and we're called to abound in it. He, Paul told Timothy to fulfill his calling, to fulfill, fulfill the work of an evangelist, to do, to abound in the work that he was called to do. So when you look over the course of your life today, are you abounding in his work? If you actually read in 1 Corinthians, if you read that whole passage, actually the verse preceding, it's a great passage, but the verse preceding in verse 57 says that we are, but thanks be to God who's given us the victory through Christ. So even our victory, even our freedom is found in Christ and the outflow, the overflow of that victory is what we do, are the abounding work of the Lord. Our work to abide in Christ. Our work to stay steadfast, to be resolute in the things of the Lord. And number three, we have to walk in the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, 
in verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How not to be ensnared again in the things of this world? Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you skip over to verse 25, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This life that you've begun in Christ, this life that you're living in Christ, is done so through the Spirit. And if you're going to continue to do so, walk in the Spirit. If you're going to walk in the freedom, if you're going to stand in the freedom that Christ paid for, then you must do so by walking in the Spirit. Romans 8, 2 tells us that the law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's a law of sin and death that is absolutely working against us. But we've been liberated from that law. We've been set free from that law. And we operate under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The, the easiest way that I, I can explain this to give you a metaphor to understand is currently right now, if you were to get, if you were to, if I were to jump off, let me do this. If I were to jump off here, I'm not going to, but if I were, because chances are I might hurt something today. If I, if I were to jump off here, there's a law called gravity in effect, Right. And, and gravity is going to pull me to the center of the earth because the earth is spinning at however many million miles per hour, whatever it is. And because of that centrifugal force and gravity and all the things that are happening, I don't understand, is going to pull me down, right? It's going to weigh me down, pull me into the center, right? But if I get on an airplane, if I go out to Cleveland Airport and I get on an airplane and they get going fast enough in that airplane by faith, that plane's going to take off, and when that plane takes off, it's going to overcome the law of, of gravity, and it's going to fly, right? It's going to take me wherever I want to go in, in, in the world, right, if the plane is fueled and capable, right? So it's, it's overcoming that law of gravity. So there is a law of sin and death that is constantly at work in this life. Everything that you and I see and observe around us is under that law. That's why we turn on the news and we see things like the condo collapsing in Florida. It's why we turn on the news and we hear things like COVID or financial crisis. It's why we turn on the news and hear uh, about uh, political things. And that's why we look on Facebook and everybody's worlds are imploding and they're not living you know, by, and by the word of the Lord. Why? Because it's the law of sin and death at operation. But as for you and I, believers in Christ, that law has been broken. We no longer operate under the law of sin and death, but under the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of Christ is operating in you and I to live in freedom. Celebrate your freedom. Celebrate your freedom. The Spirit of the Lord on the inside of you wants to lead you, direct you into all things freedom. If you listen to the Holy Ghost, He'll lead you into all things freedom. His job is to speak truth and to reveal the Father. He, is, that he came to continue on. Jesus said, I go to send another helper, one just like me. His job, His function in the earth is to continue the ministry of Christ in us. We have Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, praying, interceding, and baptizing. That's what he's doing. He's immersing people in the Holy Spirit. He's interceding right now and holding all things together by the word of his power. That's what he's doing. And he's doing that, and he's given you and I the Holy Spirit so that you and I can walk in freedom and have everything that freedom has has with it everything he's paid for everything that comes with freedom when that that contract of freedom was signed every blessing every promise every identity everything that's in this word under the freedom is available to you and I and the holy spirit's job is to get us into all of that to lead us into all of those things. So as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we're walking in the Spirit, we're standing in our freedom. Isn't that interesting that you can be walking in 
the spirit and standing, persevering in something at the same time? As you walk in, you're standing in. That this is stand. We get an idea. Uh, just talk about this for a moment. We get an idea that standing is is lazy, stationary. One thing. It's static. Just standing. But it's but it's not. Standing, being rooted, being planted, persevering in. It's kind of like when when Isaiah forty thirty one says to wait on the Lord. And he'll renew your strength. We have this idea that waiting means to sit back and just idly watch as the world unfolds. I'm waiting until Jesus comes back. But that's not, that's not waiting. Waiting is not idle. It's not static. Standing is not, it's not idle. It's not meaning stationary. It's walking out something. Persevering in is walking out. Paul, Paul said, I forget those things that are behind and I press on to the things that are ahead. There was, a, there was an active engagement with the, what the Lord had said in his life. There was active engagement with what God said. It goes back to point number two. There's active engagement with the work of the Lord. What is the word, word of the Lord? What has he said? There's active engagement with that and it's done by walking in the Spirit. You have to walk out in the Spirit the things that God has said. 2 Corinthians says, now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So if you want to walk in freedom, you have to walk where the spirit of the Lord is. Now you can walk in the spirit, and walk where the spirit of the Lord is. That's the idea there, is when you're walking in the spirit, you're walking with, you're in, you're where he is. And where he is, there's freedom. If he's walking this way and you decide to go over here, what have you stepped out of? Freedom. You've been ensnared and entangled in something else that's not freedom. But if you walk in the spirit, you stay attentive to his voice, you're walking in freedom. You're celebrating your freedom. What is the easiest way to walk in the spirit? Rejoice and engage with your freedom. It's what I've been saying all along, all the way back to the introduction of this message. Stay in freedom. Celebrate your freedom. Celebrate the Lord's freedom in your life. If you stay in that and you enjoy the freedom of the Lord, what happens? You're walking in the Spirit. You're looking for where the Spirit of the Lord is. You're no longer looking to how to get ensnared in the things of this life any longer, you're looking for where the Spirit of the Lord is. How can I celebrate? How can I rejoice in God more? How can I delight in the Lord more? How can I find more enjoyment in God? How can I find more freedom in God? How can I, can I just keep, can I go just a little bit further? Nobody's shouting me down this morning, so I feel like I need to keep going. How do I find freedom in the Lord? So, so when, when you're walking in the Spirit, Here's what happens. You're walking where the Spirit of the Lord is, and something in your life isn't of the Spirit of the Lord. It's that old carnal nature. And what happens? The Lord brings it right smack in front of your face. You're walking in the Spirit. You're celebrating your freedom. You're dancing. You're rejoicing. You're in the Word. And what happens as you're looking in the Word, you're seeing like a mirror reflected back, and all of a sudden you see your horrible, ugly mess. And what's, what, <laughs> you have to read Facebook for that, right? And you see your horrible, ugly mess. And what happens? The carnal mind says self-preservation, and you shut down. You stop rejoicing. You want to, I, I read this on someone's Facebook this, this week. I thought it was great. You want to you wanna cover up. You try to hide. You don't want accountability. You want cover-up. You want to try to cover-up. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to, that's nasty. I don't want to deal with that sin, that hurt, that bitterness, that whatever. I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with that. That's an indebted mindset. It's the slavery mindset. I won't be received. I won't be accepted. 
I won't, I won't, I won't. And self-preservation kicks in. But here's what the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus does. You're walking down. Are you getting this this morning? Is this helping you? You're walking in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And Father says, hey, you, we need to deal with this. Notice I said, Father says, Abba says, we, hey, got to see this? Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> Change me. <laughs> I need your love in my life. <laughs> I need you to, I can't fix that. I don't know how to do that. I, I may not even want to do that. Come on now, don't shout me down. Anybody ever have the Lord tell you you need to change something, fix something? You're like, I don't want to. I actually like what I'm doing. Thank you very much. And he said, no, but you're going to deal with this. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, change me. Lord, set me free. And, you know, and we, we expect it to be immediately gone. Lord, I just deal with it. Do you if you, right, go back, go back, go back to, I wish, go back to the prodigal son. Go back to the prodigal son. That problem didn't go away the day the prodigal came back. They had a celebration the day the prodigal came back, but the prodigal's brother had a problem. Do you remember the story? The prodigal's brother had a big problem with the prodigal son. So the problem didn't go away the day the father embraced him. It was the beginning of a new journey. There was new identity. There were new lessons to learn. The prodigal's brother had to learn his identity, his role, his purpose. There were things that had to unfold in the context of that story. It, everything didn't change when the father hugged him. And I, I'm going to tell you, not everything's going to change when you come down to this altar and the father hugs you and you lay on the floor. It may begin... Come on now, it may, begin, it may begin, but there's a walking in the Spirit that has to continue. Now don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. He's called you to walk in the Spirit. But, but when you're walking in the Spirit, don't be afraid when the Lord brings things to the surface. Just surrender. Just surrender. The very thing that got you onto that path, don't. That's what Paul's writing about in Galatians 5. Who bewitched you? Who told you that now you got to do things by works of the flesh? What you began in the Spirit, continue in the Spirit. Continue in the Spirit. Don't try to fix your problems by getting off in the works of the flesh. Stay in the Spirit. Stay in the Spirit. I just, I want to, I, I want to take a step further in that. And I, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm gonna, I want to take one little step further under the direction of the Holy Spirit here in that thought, is that there are those this morning and your, your desire internally you want to run. Your natural tendency is to run. And there's maybe even some here today that, and I don't know this, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I don't naturally know this, I'm just speaking by the understanding of the Holy Spirit, that, that maybe you're even here this morning and, and the Lord is bringing things to the surface in your life that causes you to want to run. Oftentimes, what, how I see this played out, and I'm just speaking very pastorally, oftentimes how I see this played out is that people in a church, when their sin, in a church body, when their sin comes up for others to see. Because how many of you know when we do life together, it's impossible not to see others' faults. It's designed that way. This is, this is a God-designed, part of it is accountability, to hold your feet to the fire, because God knew that if you were left to your own carnal mind, your own carnal will, you'd run every time. And so sometimes, he, well, not sometimes, he does. He places us in a body to hold our feet to the fire, so to speak, and to say, hey, you need to deal with this. But our natural response sometimes is in the body, when, when those things, in the body of Christ, when those things to come up, we want to run. It's that fight or flight, yell or tell. Those syndromes, those things kick in. Oh, we want to fight or flight it out, or we want to yell or tell. And that's carnal, by the way. That's our carnal mind kicking in for self-preservation. And there's some here this morning that maybe even your tendency, the Lord's brought, there's been exposure, there's been, and you feel like the prodigal son. There's that shame and that guilt of how I wish that would have never happened. I wish whatever that was would have never happened. 
And I want to say to you that by the grace of the Father, that we also, all too, operate by the grace of the Father. That as a church, we don't respond out of works of the law and works of the flesh and tell you how horrible you are and how you've got to do this and this and this and this and this, and then you'll be accepted. You follow? But it's, a, it's an environment of grace that says it, it may not be right, it may be sinful, but I know God is able to set free. I know that God is able to set you free. I know that God is able to heal you. I know that God's able to restore you. I know that God's able to do that. And so that means we're gonna cooperate with what he says. That means we gotta cooperate with what the Lord says. It may not be easy, but we're gonna cooperate with what he says. And so there might be even online people watching or even here in the building that in the process of discipleship and life, the Lord has brought things, he's elevated things in your life to say, you need to deal with this. And your response is to run. Maybe not even to be in church. I know there, there are, I, I know, again, I don't know this in the natural mind, but I know by the spirit, there are those even here in this church, the, and, and I hope that they're watching, that maybe are trying to run because of things that have been exposed in their own life. And, and you feel like everybody knows your failures and, and your flaws and your issues. And can I just tell you that, what does it matter, first off? Because we all have issues. Number two, the Father had a party. The Father celebrates when there's repentance. There's always a celebration when there's repentance. I promise you, even in this house, how we function, how we pastor, how we lead, how this church operates, there's always a party when there's repentance. There's always reconciliation when there's repentance. I promise you. I can't think of a time there hasn't been. Because that's the model that Christ leads us in. So there's that. And then thirdly, we're always going to walk. We're just going to keep walking in the spirit. We're going to celebrate our freedom. And so we're going to look for how do we walk in freedom? How do we stay in freedom? And sometimes there's boundaries. Sometimes the Lord deals with things. Sometimes he says you got to cut things out. But whatever the issue is, we're walking in the spirit. We're hearing his voice. So there's no need to run. What I'm getting to is there's no need to run. Just surrender. There's no need to yell or tell, just surrender. There's no need for fight or flight, just surrender. Because God is changing and he's transforming. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I can, can I, can I give you as you're standing this morning, I just feel like this is helping people this morning. Uh, can I just give you a person, there, I can tell you so many times as a pastor, so many times where I've known as a pastor that I'm right. I know according to the word I'm right. That I have the direction from God, from his voice, from his word. And I'll sit back and I'll just say, Lord, I don't know it all. I don't have it all figured out. So here I am again. I just, I'm going to go lower still and listen just hear your voice and what are you doing in this situation what are you doing in this moment and it's not always easy but it's in those moments I just step back and say Lord I don't get it but you do teach me something new change me again turn up the fire again here we go and when there's safety in that there's transformation there's safety so I just want to encourage you, if you're facing that today, walk in the Spirit. Stay in the Spirit. Don't run. Go lower still. Humble yourself before the Lord. And watch what He'll do. Watch how He'll change your life. Even in that hard moment. Stand in the freedom 
Stand firm in the freedom that Christ has set you free. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Father, I pray that that everyone present, either in person or virtually, that hears this word, Lord, will be equipped today that, Lord, this will just be another seed sown in their life that produces much fruit. It'll be something that they're reminded of continually to celebrate, to enjoy their freedom and to find ways to continue on celebrating and enjoying their freedom, to walk in the Spirit, to be resolute, to be resolved, to engage with the Word of the Lord, to be abounding in the work of the Lord and walking in the Spirit. Change us, Lord. Keep changing us, Lord, as we walk with you. Jesus, we worship you. You know, if you're here this morning or you're watching online or listening online and you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's really easy. It's really simple. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Jesus said that there's no other way to heaven except through him. There's no other way that he's the truth, he's the life. He called himself the door, the great shepherd. There's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ. If you're listening or watching or here present this morning and you're not sure where you stand with Christ, right where you're at, wherever you are, you can say, Jesus, forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. Change me. I want to walk with you. It's really that simple. It's just surrendering. It's yielding to him starting a relationship, starting a journey with Him. This morning, if that's you, if you're watching online or here in the building or listening online and that's you and you're saying, Jesus, I want to start new with you today. I want to start fresh. Forgive me. Wash me clean. He's faithful. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to forgive us. Jesus taught us that we're to get water baptized. We're not saved by water baptism, but it's a declaration that I am born again. I am a new creation in Christ. I'm following Him. So I want to tell you, if you're listening or watching and you're making that decision, you need to get water baptized. We have water baptism all the time. You can do it here or in your church. Get plugged into a church home. Get plugged in. If you're here, if you're watching, listening online, or you're here in the building, we'd love to have you here. Be a part of our church family, but get plugged in. You cannot grow spiritually without the body. It's impossible. It it is God's design that you grow in community. It has always been. It always will be. It's eternal. It will never change. It's God's math. It's God's principle. Get plugged into a local church. We have small groups that will help you grow spiritually. Get in, get in a small group. Get plugged in. Start seeing how God changes your life, baby step after baby step. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless your people today. Let the abundance of your house, the abundance, the goodness of your house be upon them today. Lord, thank you for your safety and your protection as each family celebrates the 4th of July today. Lord, may they have great times with friends and family today. Let your goodness be on them and your safety and your protection, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.